everybody. Welcome to this week's Infection Control Matters. And we're going to do a little quickie here. Um, I'm in Sydney, which is very nice. And I'm obviously sitting here with Professor Brett Mitchell. Brett, how are you? Uh, good, man. Lovely day outside. Looking out, we're looking out at the sunshine. Yes, it's beautiful. Mm. Although, interesting, <laughs> I'm coming from like, the sunshine in the UK and there's leaves all over the ground here and it's better weather than the UK. But anyway, that's your winter <laughs> and our summer. Um, anyway, well, you're very excited today, aren't you? Because your I eye clean am. study has just started. And yes. you've got two major pieces of work going on in this space at the moment. So I, th- I thought we'd just have a little chat about that and let people know about it and yeah. maybe what expects coming and how you've designed the study and that sort of thing. So yeah, tell Sounds me good. tell me about the studies. Oh, okay, thanks, Alan. And, and you're, you're involved in these too. So um, That's true. Um, so the first one's the CLEAN study. And the idea of the CLEAN study is to address a bit of a gap we thought about uh, with regards to shared medical equipment and... Um, the sort of idea of this study is if we do clean shared medical equipment well and appropriately, does it actually reduce the rates of healthcare-associated infections? And I reckon a lot of people probably struggle with this sort of who's responsible for cleaning uh, shared well, medical equipment. Everybody's responsible, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. No one does it. <laughs> no. And, um, and this is where really this came from. And the idea was let's just take a step back and see whether – Cleaning shared medical equipment makes a difference to infections. And I mean, there's other reasons, of course, why we should be cleaning shared medical equipment, but purely on the sort of uh, infection side of things. So this will be the first randomized control study uh, evaluating whether improvements in cleaning shared medical equipment results in a reduction in healthcare-associated infections. We'll look at the effectiveness and the cost-effectiveness of this study. Pretty timely, really, because the CDC have come out with a report over the last couple of days in emerging infectious diseases. Of, well, it's not their report, but they've published one from Israel uh, showing a huge increase in the number of candidate aurus infections, and they're partly blaming that on shared medical equipment that's not being mm-hmm. decontaminated properly because um, clade 3 and clade 1 got into the country where they haven't reported it before, and suddenly it's all over the place. And they're, mm-hmm. they're feeling that shared medical equipment has certainly got some part uh, to play in this, and it's pretty yeah. timely, really. That's right. There's that, and there's been some other work, some genomic, isolated genomic works in, in studies in the past where have shown there have been pieces of shared medical equipment implicated in transmission, particularly VRE. I think there's been a couple of papers around that. Um, so, so there's sort of some reasonable evidence there, but we thought, let's do this in, a, in an RCT format. So we've got um, 10 wards and enrolled in this study, uh, and every... Six weeks and two wards move from a control to intervention phase. And the intervention is we're actually employing um, PSAs or cleaners to, to do three hours of dedicated cleaning on the ward, uh, just focusing on shared medical equipment. Per day? Per day. Okay. So this is over and above anything that they do, and they're purely dedicated to doing this. Right. So um, we're working closely with those PSAs, with uh, you know training and, and all the rest of it. Um, we're looking at the UV dot sort of auditing process to okay. look at the effectiveness of cleaning. So we might be putting in, but are they actually cleaning? And we're using that as a mechanism for feedback for them as well. So is that measuring the effectiveness of the PSA's cleaning or the cleaning that should go on in between anyway? So, you know, when the PSA mm. turns out for their three... Uh, they're three hours. Are they checking mm. to see if it's been done before that? You know, and, and were the dots put in on afterwards, or how, how are you doing? Yeah, that? so we've got the control phase where essentially that's current practice where it should technically be cleaned. Okay, um, 
And uh, it's interesting, you know, there's variability in, in those wards. Some are very low <laughs> mm. and some are a little bit better. Um, but by and large, we're not seeing shared medical equipment cleaned. Okay. So we're talking we about shared medical equipment, we're talking about commodes, drip stands, IV poles, blood glucose machines, computers on wheels, um, those, those types of things, pat slides. So, yeah, they're going to focus on cleaning those things dedicated. They've got a little sticker on them and, and badge, and they don't get disturbed, hopefully, by the, by the clinical staff to mm-hmm. do other things. Um, well, they're really interacting well with the clinical staff, so they're going to come and introduce themselves, and they uh, work with the, the nursing staff, for example, on can I, when can I access that computer to, to, um, to clean it. Mm. Um, so that's the sort of the, the, the intervention um, phase. Any, any mm. danger that the clinical staff are going to start going, hey, great, these guys clean my kit all, t- all the time for me? <laughs> <laughs> it could do. Yeah. It could do. I guess we want to take one step back and go, does this make a difference? Because the model of delivering the, the sort of intervention could vary. I mean, you could go with the approach that we've done and go, okay, if this works, is, and is it cost effective to put in three okay. hours of that's cleaning? That's the difference, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, three hours of extra cleaning. Yeah. Um, because there'll be variations on that. You could say, well, why don't we use a decentralized model? If, it, if it's effective, is it more cost effective to go, um, uh, let's, let's move things centrally for, for cleaning? Yeah. Um, so that was a bit of flexibility. You'd lock it then, though, wouldn't you? But yeah, I mean, mm. it's, it, it means you can look at all the different approaches. All different models, yeah. Yeah. So we've got about 4,500 participants. We're aiming for in this study, or 4,000, I think. And uh, we're about a third of the way through at the moment. Okay. We're on, on target um, to, to achieve that. So uh, we should know early next year, early to mid-next year, about whether this study is... Um, and the outcome measures are? Outcome measures are composite outcome of all healthcare-associated infections. Okay. So and any con- colonizations as well, or are you just looking at infections? Just infections. Okay. So we're using the sort of ECDC point prevalence style approach, but we're doing that frequently. So okay. every ward gets a full PPS every two weeks on every patient. Oh, okay. So the other beauty with this study, actually, we'll be able to see what the infections are at a ward level to really uh, help inform individual indiv- interventions on wards that might have higher rates of UTIs or high rates of pneumonias or whatever it might be. Uh, there'll be quite some decent granular data for the local teams to work with yeah. and, and reprioritise their settings, you know, reprioritise their, their program if needed. Okay. Mm. So that's that's clean. And if you're interested in clean, the website's cleanstudy.com. Okay. It's a pretty complicated one. As usual, <laughs> we'll put it on the podcast uh, site so you can just click on the link and check mm. it out. And you can sign up to updates on there if you want to know more uh, as this sort of evolves. But... Really excited about this study because it's I say it's going to be a world first looking at this sort of shared medical equipment in an RCT format, especially in such a especially in such a range of uh, equipment. So that's, yeah, that's really nice. Mm. Okay, tell me about iClean then. All right, on the start so, of today, iClean started today. iClean is the intervention is the same as the Clean study, uh, but this study is actually done in ICU, and uh, it'll be a control phase for three months. Uh, where we're just observing what's going on in the ICU by way of the UV audits for shared medical equipment again. Mm-hmm. And we're also swabbing the environment. Uh, so that's swabbing the shared medical equipment as well as sinks. All patients being screened in and out of ICU and weekly. 
And in the intervention phase, that all continues, except that, of course, the three hours of additional dedicated cleaning goes in. Okay. And here we're interested in the same outcomes. Does this make a difference to composite healthcare-associated infection rates? And same methodology is clean for that. But you will pick up colonizations with this because you're screening. That's right. And in addition to that, we're going to have acquisition data on MRSA-BRE, multi-resistant gram-negatives. And where there are infections or acquisitions in ICU patient colonization or infections, we're keeping those samples and um, we're keeping any positive samples from the environment as well. So we'll look at um, we'll do some genomic work then, looking at uh, transmission through potentially through shared medical equipment. Mm-hmm. So see whether that's actually occurring and how it's occurring um, and see whether the intervention makes a difference to to negating that. So that started today. Yeah, I mean, I'm really quite interested and excited by this one because actually you may be able to demonstrate excellent infection prevention and control by showing that there are actually a lot of MDROs in the environment that actually aren't causing infection in patients. Mm. And even if they're colonised, it doesn't go on to cause infection in people because Mm. their practice is good. So there's an opportunity there to actually use this in a positive way to say, actually, we know these bugs are around, but if you practice well, Mm. you can stop people getting infection. Mm. Conversely, it may show people are picking up these things from the environment or vice versa and you'll be able to look at you know overall levels in the environment as well because I, I mm. know, again candidora was highlighted in that study is present on all sorts of surfaces in a viable and a non-viable but uh, viable but non-culturable form for up to four weeks so that was, that was quite <coughs> interesting as well so that's exactly right i mean there'll be challenges with this because persistence in the environment might be there. We may not find it too, of course, through, through yeah. some of the smoke. Persistence will be there uh, and there might be a bit of a lag before anyone becomes colonised or infected or indeed doesn't with well, that we particular... we don't know how long that is anyway, that, do we? That's no. right. So it does come with some, uh, of course, challenges, but, uh, but it's going to be a fascinating study um, with the results on that uh, as well. So really excited about the fact that that's got up and running today. Um, a shout-out to the team that's all running this, led by um, Dr. Kate Brown, mm. uh, who's, who's overseeing this project, and um, uh, and the big team of, of people that are supporting it, all kinds of different diverse backgrounds. So I'm um, really excited, and, and yeah, hopefully next year we'll be able to talk about some results. Yeah, that would be nice. I mean, it, it is how long before the last group joined this study? So both of these studies will be done, uh, the data will be finished, uh, collected by November and, okay. uh, and or, no, late November, early December, all going well. And um, yeah, then we'll move on to the analysis stage. So we'll see how complicated and long that's going to take us. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll get, certainly have results next year, mm-hmm. possibly middle of the year. Are you concerned about the fact that you're doing it over the winter? I mean, you're consistent in both, but you know, there are peaks and troughs during different times of the year. And mm. in summer, you can get more gram-negative infections or anything like that. Do you think that could affect anything? Yeah, it, we, we gave a lot of thought to the timing of the study and particularly clean. I mean, if you want to reduce gram-negatives, you have your control during, <laughs> during the summer and your, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> your intervention during the winter and you're almost guaranteed to succeed. And respiratory infections bearing in mind as a composite. Yeah. And what we've done to try and negate that is have the, the halfway of this study is basically in the middle of the epidemiological peak for respiratory infection. So we're hoping that for that side of things... About halfway through the study is about July time. Okay. So we're hoping that it'll be balanced 
in both control and intervention will have similar numbers in both sort of elements of the seasonality that might affect not just respiratory pathogens but other things too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully we can negate that. The other thing we'll, we'll do is just look at uh, some sub-analysis of some specific infections. So we'll group things like UTIs, pneumonias, bloodstream infections, surgical site infections together mm-hmm. uh, and individually in sensitive analysis, but together just so we can rule out some of the other upper respiratory tract infections that might be a bit more seasonal um, and a few other things that might float about at various times or might be a bit more up and down in their numbers. You know, There might be little outbreaks, for example, of conjunctivitis or yeah. um, or other soft tissues, that infections that, that um, may not be consistent throughout an entire research period. So we'll pull some of those out and set sibling analysis yeah, as well. should be really interesting. Hang on a minute. We just had a message from Russo. That was that ding. He always interrupts us when there's uh, a... Uh, yeah, hang on. Like let's, a... let's just give him a call. But he doesn't answer it now. Ready? Professor Russo. Professor Russo, congratulations. Welcome to a special edition of Infection Control Matters. We're recording live, so we thought we'd ring you up and congratulate you. <laughs> In all seriousness, Bill, we are live. We are, we are live. live recording. Congratulations <laughs> on your professorship. Well deserved. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, it's, it's a privilege to be amongst the, uh, the standings of... Folk like you. <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> no, he, he won't be standing for much longer. We're off to the pub soon. <laughs> yeah, I know you <laughs> And what a shame we can't be there to celebrate with you. I know. It is a shame. Oh, congratulations, though, Phil. It's fantastic news. Yeah, it is. It's a, I had, had my interview last Friday, which I... But um, um, obviously didn't convince them not to give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that is a good thing. <laughs> did you just get it via email or did you get a phone call? No, no, that just came in the mail five minutes ago. Wow. In, um, in email. And effective from like 2035 in terms of... <laughs> <laughs> yes, just the day after I retire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's me. You'll be emeritus, Professor <laughs> Phil Russo, then. <laughs> well, they are cutting back on costs, so you never know. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm highly jealous that you boys are going out to have a drink, so I'd, uh, I'd, uh, I'd even shout you one. <laughs> well, you that, can, that is you could probably afford it now, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have a, a celebratory... Yeah, we'll um, raise a glass to yeah, you, Phil. Yeah, we will. Thank you, I'm sure you will. Make sure it's a nice red, okay? Mm. Okay. Yeah. So... <laughs> We'll have to get you a drink at some point in the future as well. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's well deserved, mate. Well done. Yeah, delighted. Yes, thank you. It's oh. a relief. So we'll yeah. see you on Thursday morning. Uh, Friday morning. Friday morning. Sorry, yeah. Friday morning, yeah. Okie dokie. Hanging around for a couple of hours, man, so we can have a bit of a chat over lunchtime. I'm yeah, excellent. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, mate. Sneaking a podcast. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See you, Phil. See you later, Phil. Yeah, thanks, guys. Right. Well, that, yeah. was, that yeah. was good news, Martin. It, it was great news, oh. yeah. But meanwhile, before that rude interruption, where were <laughs> we? Where we? You were still talking about the study. Okay. Yeah, and um, the other thing we're doing, Martin, and it was actually an idea that you came up with, was we're going to do some focus groups and interviews with the cleaners to see about how they felt about being part of this study. But interestingly, we're also going to ask them about 
how they feel about receiving feedback yeah. and what do they like yeah. or not like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> we've kind of got a lots of plenty of good studies out there that show the value of feedback. Yeah. Particularly for environmental services stuff. Um, you know, built, built on, you know, Phil, Phil Carling's work years ago. Uh, they didn't often describe how people felt about the feedback no. and how they actually delivered it. They just said, we fed back. That's right. And I, I do wonder about that because generally I find environmental service workers really want to do a good job. Mm. Um, but if the feedback is punitive, then that, that has a negative effect. So it'd be fascinating to find out how how they feel about how their work can impact on patients and and they probably want to see success so maybe they're a bit more interested in the effect on you know the better you clean the number of infections are coming down rather than just um you know you've missed that bit over there and you know you've only Mm. done 60 percent of the room so that'd be quite fascinating Mm. if they would want it's like a almost a composite indicator of their practice really things are drifting and uh yeah and maybe the cleaning has dropped a bit and look the infections are going up and that might mean something a bit more to them really that's right, and we're delivering the feedback in a in a structured way, but in a variety of different ways. Mm. So we're very deliberate with how the feedback is going to be provided, um, uh, but at the same time, it allows us to try different types of feedback to get their qualitative feedback on what they liked. So some of it might be informal. We're doing that sort of informal chats. Some of it is a bit more um, structured through. Um, uh, like an email, there's a little bit more of that sort of formal training side of it and providing the results in, in that sort of format. Um, so it's a, it's in a variety of different ways that it, where, that that's being provided. So we'll get a bit of a sense on what do they find useful yeah. right, to help their practice. Yeah, because that'd be an interesting one because certainly in the UK, the cleaning staff of the environmental service workers, they wouldn't have a hospital email address generally. So mm. they wouldn't be able to get feedback in that way anyway. So um, sort of using a Teams group, like a Microsoft okay. Teams group to okay. share that information. Um, okay. And um, because that's probably the better way that, that it's actually part of their existing um, process okay. of strength. So we're not adding in something new. We're just doing something that's a bit of an add-on to existing process. Okay. One of the things today, actually, that happened, um, some of the doctors, a couple of doctors went up to one of our cleaners and said, what a fantastic job they were doing. <laughs> and it made their day. I love that. And uh, and it was just, and I was really warm by that too. Cause I thought how long did it take them to do that? Ten yeah. seconds. How how much, uh, what impact did they have yeah. on that cleaner's perception of how well they're doing their job that a doctor recognises it? That's right. You know. And you know, I've been trying to get this study up for funding for few years and finally got it and it was this kind of stuff I was hoping that would matter the nurse unit managers are fantastic on the wards mm. uh, and uh, they're really engaging with with the uh, with the clean stuff so what we're seeing really is a great safety culture being built mm. um, and cleaners uh, being really feeling part of Hopefully, yeah, uh, of the team and, they, and their own patient safety. Are they employed by the organisation or are they externally contracted? They are employed by the organisation. Yeah, but I look, mean, I, I, this I is say that, that doesn't necessarily mean you still can't build great relationships, you know, and mm. uh, because then they are working together towards hopefully a common goal. And, yeah. and if you can instil that in your with your cleaning contracting company, mm. uh, then that can work as well as well. You know, I don't mm. subscribe to the view that it's not great to not you know to. Own, to only have uh, employed cleaners if that's the way your hospital system works you have to find a way of making that work for you mm, that's right and look we'll get some of this I mean this is, that's anecdotal stuff I mentioned just then but we'll get some of that more structured feedback 
uh, about how the PSAs, the cleaners, um, uh, felt about this study when, yeah. we, when we actually asked them in, in proper research yeah. uh, methodology through a focus group. You have to I, remember to go back and ask that cleaner. And get I, to, in the focus I know, group. I don't want to lose that one. That's a gem of a quote for the future. <laughs> but the other thing I forgot to mention as well, you know, for the actual intervention itself, it is a disinfectant two-in-one product that we're using. Okay. And sporicidal product for cleaning commodes. Um, so that's uh, the mainstay. What we're also going to look at is if there's any degradation of equipment uh, through the use of this uh, process. Um, that, we can only do that quite visually, but we're keeping a track on that. Um, mm. We can't do that in a, in a true laboratory microscopic sense, but um, we're keeping an eye on the quality of the equipment that is being now regularly cleaned, but possibly wasn't. So yeah, that, well, that's, that's a different thing, really, because a lot of equipment was maybe not designed to be cleaned as often as we would like it mm. to be cleaned, and maybe the manufacturer wasn't assuming that his, uh, you know, his vital signs equipment was actually going to be wiped maybe 10, 15, 20, 30 times a day when yeah. he designed it. So that, that mm. also can have an impact. Yeah, you're mm. right. The other thing with Taylor for ICU is in talking to the staff there, they said they really, were really concerned about a couple of areas where they thought transmission of might be happening through the environment. And there's sort of little pod areas that um, staff would gather in um, outside of uh, a patient area where there would be a lot of same use of computers in a desk uh, sort of area. So we're including that as well as part of our environmental swapping and cleaning mm -hmm. um, to focus on that because that was the source that locally they thought might be an issue with perceived risk. So we thought, why well, as well include that? Oh, no, definitely include that. I mean, I have read papers showing in critical care areas, environmental contamination with patient-specific organisms actually can be quite widespread because mm. you know, hand hygiene isn't always 100% and people do move around and equipment that is contaminated and not clean moves around as well. So it's, it's often a lot... For, for more extensive than just immediately around the bedside. So, mm. And also, why not? If they want you to look at it, why not? Because yeah. it helps them get on side, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so thanks for the thanks for the chat about this. No, man. I'm mm. really looking forward to seeing the results of it. And in the not-too-distant future as well, this no. is only you know, results this time next year, hopefully. So that's right. I look forward to seeing you presenting. Yeah, looking forward to it too. Thanks, Martin. Cheers, Brett. Talk to you soon.